Hey, you guys, this is Dr. Tristica, and I'm coming to you right now from the podcast of Fix Your Crown. I have with me on the line my Uganda partner that I have a partnership with. Um, his name is John. Good afternoon or good evening to you, John. Hi. I'm very okay. My name is John Odomo. Okay. <laughs> the first name is easy. The second name is quite tricky. But simply say John is okay with me. Well, John is joining me today for the Fix Your Crown podcast, just a special podcast today to speak about our partnership and what we have going on with Nerdville Inc. and Nerdville Inc. Yeah. Uganda. I was introduced to John um, back in 2017, and we just became really good friends in the beginning, and then we started talking about our par partnership. Well, I just wanted to do an interview with John today because, you know, we're all dealing with COVID and different situations in our communities, but um, John and I have continued to just um, stay focused on what we're doing in Uganda. So, John, can you tell us a little yes. bit about your organization in Uganda? Okay, thank you very much, and uh, good morning, everyone behind there. <laughs> My name is John. The second name is Odomo. And the last name is Okror. The first name is always okay, but the second and the third name is tricky to mention, but ignore that. One, I manage global health. Global health and HIV initiative Uganda. That's the name of the organization. It was established in 2010. And I also manage an organization called Association of Persons with Disability Inclusion, which covers programs of people with disability, both male, female, young boys, girls, among others. Global Health was established in 2010 when I came back to the country because I was once a volunteer with the voluntary services overseas and I was out of the country for almost one year. One of my careers was issues of HIV intervention among the young people, what they call the adolescents age of between 18 to around 29 years. I was also involved in the areas of widows and orphans in the country where I was as a volunteer. Where voluntary service organization based in the UK had placed me. But I was really looking at issues with education for both the young and the overseas. In that country in 1967, there was a war and it left the younger people and their mothers vulnerable. The mothers were called widows, but particularly rural widows. And the young people were left with their mothers without any skill. So one of my areas was issue of education of the young adolescents or educating the young people in a way they can be able to live and survive in the job market. So when I returned back to my country in 2010, that's Uganda in Africa, we were given opportunity to establish an institution and organization which can help the community in my area. At that time, the level of HIV was very, very high in our institution of learning. We have about 49 universities in the country, nine are government and 40 are private. So we launched, we launched a program of HIV intervention among the younger generation. And it's from that context that I established an organization called Global Health and HIV AIDS Initiative, which was moving from university to university educating the young adolescents on each of HIV AIDS intervention. 
would also link up with government, particularly Minister of Health, the Minister of Education, Minister of Local Government, and Office of the OPM, Office of the Prime Minister, and Office of His Excellency, the President, to give us support in order to ensure that these programs are able to reach these young adolescents in different parts of the country, in different universities. And that is exactly how Global Health came into existence up to date. It's unfortunate that we were locked up down because of this COVID, this pandemic, this global challenge, that we are able to stay at home, although it was, it was not our wish. But nonetheless, we're able to link up with the students at a country level, at a global level, because some of the students who come to Uganda, they are not only Uganda, some are from different parts of the country. But one of the tools we use when we're training is that we have to capture the contacts in terms of the emails and the mobile numbers. And right now what we do is to send the information to the students from wherever they are, so they're able to access. Unfortunately, those in the rural place are not able to because of the network. They do not have access to internet. But what we normally do is that we disseminate the information what we train the students in areas of HIV areas, HIV prevention and issues to do with other pregnancies, gender-based violence, climate interventions. Then we also look at livelihoods, among others. So basically, that's what we do here. But also now we have extended our program to the refugees and asylum seekers. In Uganda, we have about 13 refugee settlements managed by the office of the OPM. We have about 1.4 million refugees in the country, both in southern Sudan, those from Rwanda, those from DRC Congo, and those from Somalia and other parts of the country, who come to Uganda as refugees and as asylum seekers. And the country is able to host them. So what we do with government and other development partners is that we go to some of these, go to these refugees, educate them on a number of areas. One of the areas is livelihood. The second one, issues of wash, but within the worst context, we manage issues of what they call hygiene among the ladies, but what we call menstrual hygiene management, because some of those refugees, some of those asylum seekers, asylum seekers, do not have the capacity to buy parts for themselves. When the time for what they call menstrual period comes, they want to sit under the sun, and then eventually they manage their, you know, Menestro, which is a problem, but sometimes what we do is that we train them on small, small skills how they can be able to manage their menstrual, but particularly the young girls who have reached a period, a, a time of menstrual life cycle. So we try to train them on that area, how they manage their menstrual if it has come, because a long life challenges to those young ladies. But also issues of early pregnancy because of the level of income being very, very low because they really rely on food from World Food Program and the United Nations like Commissioner for Refugees, which provide them those services. But those services are not adequate enough to justify their staying in the refugee sector. Wow, that's like that. So those are part yeah, that's <laughs> That's a lot of things that you do with your organization, John. And you know what our podcast, you know, people are listening now. Um just yes. you know, just a lot of questions you know, you do a lot. What do you do for self-care? You know, you're doing all this in Uganda, you're making ways and you're developing programs, but what do you do for yourself? What do you do for fun? Wow. <laughs> I am, I'm, you know, fun in terms of uh, going to dance, going to drink or going out for social life. But <clears throat> 
I think most of the time when you, when you see on the background, I have papers and books everywhere. I really, I think I'm going to the level of going out for social lives. <laughs> and you know, now we're in the, we're, we're the level of lockdown. Right. <laughs> Gathering is not allowed. I can only get the opportunity to go to the village and meet my mother and my father and then see how they are and then I come back. But in terms of social life, I don't drink. I sometimes go to church. <laughs> but uh, that's how I manage my life. So most of the time I'm engaged, yes. So what is your, you know, since you've been running your organization, I mean, you know, our listeners are listening. What are some advice you would give somebody that wanted to do the same thing that you're doing? What is one good thing that you would give somebody to motivate them? First, you must be able to drive your dreams. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) You must be be able to drive your dreams, but you also must be ready for challenges Mm -hmm. because these things don't come in a soft plate. Mm. I'm also told to go to heaven, you must be able to go to church every Sunday. <laughs> if you have to get space in heaven. <laughs> right. Um, so so what, is, what is important is that they must have first a vision like uh, Dr. Tristika that I want to have an organization called Nerds Road. Mm-hmm. So you must have the vision, you must have the dream, and you must be able to drive the dream. So right. when you have that dream in place, then you must be able to come up with some, some program in your life that can help the lives of some of these marginalized and this poor population. Then you need to come up with the name of the organization so that you do not have a briefcase NGO and, or a briefcase organization. Mm-hmm. So you need to have an organization which is legally registered by the country where you operate from. And there you go, you'll be able to reach the community. But within a community, you need to have what they call some other stakeholders like community leaders, how you can reach them. Mm-hmm. But how do you reach them? Sometimes you have to use your small resources which you have if you do not have the funding. And that's what I'm saying that it's not a soft plate game. You really have to sacrifice some time. Yes, and you said the key word that you have to sacrifice. Um, you have and you have to re you have to use what you have. And you know, just having our partnership, you know, since 2017, you know, for your listeners that are listening. Um yes. John and I have been partners with um, Nerdrill Inc. Uganda and his wonderful organization in Uganda. And, you know, we both have been learning from each other. Um, John recently asked me to be a part of his board in Uganda, and that has been exciting as well. Um, With our partnership, John is allowed to receive um, technical support from Nerdrill Inc. And also... um, asking for not advice but also asking each other on what's great for our communities and you know i really enjoyed my partnership with john because i learned from him on how to structure my um not only my organization but my programs and how they're going to facilitate and be successful Um, John's organization is very successful dealing with HIV and AIDS, which is a very big subject and a very taboo subject that people don't talk about. But John, what keeps you going in your community, working with HIV and AIDS in your community? What keeps you going in your community? One, as I say, you must drive dreams. (laughs) But those dreams come with challenges, you know? Mm-hmm. So what keeps me going is that uh, I involve a lot of actors in this undertaking. As I said, we work with government, 
We also work with the local communities. Within the local communities, we have the local leaders who are able to coordinate. But as I say, this coordination involves sometimes resources. The local people are incapacitated in terms of financial resources. So sometimes you are forced to sacrifice the little you have so that you're able to reach them. Mm -hmm. But as I said, when I said you link up with government, you know we are living in countries where political ideology is a problem. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you need to open up and show government that what you are doing is not anti-government or uh, something to do with politics, mm -hmm. but it's something to do with building the lives of the community so that they're able to realize their dreams. So what keeps us going is that we need we link up with the government organs or government security departments and the line ministries where we have to get the legal letters to authorize us to move to some of these communities. Mm -hmm. That's what keeps us going too. We also ensure that we play what they call cooperation partnership networking with other actors like you, Madam Tristik. <laughs> Whenever <laughs> we have challenges in technical areas, I need to quickly send an email to you so that you can give me a move on. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not everything, you know. Sometimes I also have my weakness and my strengths. So what keeps us going as is, is key areas, one, partnership networking with all actors, both at the national and local at the regional level. Also what keeps us moving is that we keep updating our partners in what we do, where we are in terms of challenges and success, something like that. Mm -hmm. Yes. So John, I know we have been partners and you know, great friends since 2017. But tell our listeners, why do you, what do you enjoy about working with me and Nergel Inc.? You have an open mind. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we have Africa, we have Uganda, you have Africans, and both those in the development world. Mm -hmm. When they mean, when they say X, they are meaning Y. Now mm -hmm. they talk in parable like Jesus Christ. <laughs> When they, they don't, they are not open. They don't, they're not, they don't open up their mind. Mm -hmm. You know, some come with it, with what they call their motives, how to benefit without giving the other side. When you ask for an advice, they must attack the, what they call financial. And yet I said, sometimes we operate on what they call hand to mouth. <laughs> or sometimes mm -hmm. we operate on support from friends who care. So why I like working with you is that you're open-minded. Whenever we have challenges, you're able to help us in terms of technical advice. Although you also have your challenges in terms of resources, something like that. So that's what makes me get in touch from you from 2017 up to date until maybe God sees us to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know yes. with you, you know, doing some of the Nerdral Inc. policies and the Nerdral Inc. Um, trainings that we had, I know we started with the Nerdral Inc. suicide prevention training, and that yeah. went really well. And um, I think that's what kept us motivated because you saw right. something in my organization that was actually yeah. benefiting you. And yeah. I just wanted to say thank you for that, John, because, you know, okay. everyone who's listening right now, when you yeah. um, find a partnership that is out of your country, it's kind of difficult because you really don't know them. But, you know, over yes. the years, me and John have really communicated. Yeah. And I want to personally say thank you for, you know, placing me yeah. on your, your okay. board. You. And yeah, I'm learning you, so much about HIV and AIDS. And I'm I'm learning about, you know, how to create better projects and 
you know, with my international partnerships, I think that's what makes me grow into a better um, um, person of creating around, you know, around the world. So John, what are, th what, who are three people that inspire you to, um, you know, inspire you to become better in your work that you do? Who are three people that inspire you? I think without the three people, first you look at the Father, the creator of heaven and earth. <laughs> because if life is not there, then you are finished. So the first thing that you need to appreciate the Almighty who gave life. Mm -hmm. Then the other three people I can identify. One, they are my parents who took me to school, that I'm able to speak to you in English, that you're able mm -hmm. to listen to me from AC. <laughs> <laughs> because if they never took me to school, I wouldn't be able to meet you. So I think those are, the three people, those are one of the key persons I need to appreciate that I'm able to communicate to anybody in part of the world using the language which they spent on me. I mean, which they, they sent me to school to know. So mm -hmm. those are the first people. Two, I need also to appreciate the country in which I live. Although we live in a country where there's political ideology, but sometimes it's unavoidable. Even in the US, those things are there. <laughs> So the government of this country is giving us a conducive environment to practice and to, you know, implement some of the activities we do. Then finally, also partners who are open-minded like you, like sister, 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 Larita is also coming on board. So those are the, the people I'm looking at as the key people who are inspiring me to live in this challenging world. <laughs> So, John, if you know, if we have some listeners who are listening, yes. would you? What would you tell our listeners who are looking for partners? What who? What should they look for in a partner? One, I'm saying that can they join us and come to Uganda <laughs> and train some <laughs> and train some of these younger generation, these younger people in the country? Because mm -hmm. in every country. The younger generation are the leaders of tomorrow that everybody's looking at. Mm -hmm. And therefore, it's very important to ensure that their lives are protected. Yeah. So I am looking at partners who are able to come to Uganda. Then from there, we can be able to work together. Then we improve the lives of these poor people, the lives of this younger generation. In my part, what I can do through you is that I can secure them letters to get visas to come to the country mm -hmm. through the Ministry of Immigration, where I can send their names with the covering documents so that they'll come to Uganda for a period of, say, one month, two months. Then they go back to their respective country. More importantly is that I would also secure them security, that when we get accommodation for them, say one building which has a number of houses, would provide police, would provide security and police to ensure that these people's life are safe, that they're able to go back to their country the way they came. Mm -hmm. Two, I would also appreciate that they need to come up with programs which are geared towards improving the lives of the marginalized population, particularly in a developed country like Africa, looking at areas of HIV, areas of gender-based violence, areas of child pregnancies or child abuse, what they call child rights. But also they need to look at issues of humanitarian support, focusing people like refugees, asylum seekers. So when they come here, we'll be able to work together. They make reports, which report they'll take back to their country in order to ensure that they can reach the development partners or the donors so that they can get finances to support them in their undertaking. 
Mm -hmm. So those are the kind of things I'm calling them on your, on my behalf, on the behalf of the organization. Mm -hmm. And through you, that please explore this opportunity for these people to develop partnerships so that they come to Uganda, so that they can be able to help these people. Right. One more, the biggest problem sometimes we have is finances because to fly from US to Uganda is money. Sometimes I have a dream to come and reach a Tristika's organization, be in the US for one week, two weeks, then I come back to Uganda. But sometimes the resources limit us. Mm -hmm. We do not have that money. But if we have the donors, then donors sometimes can help so long as we can be able to work in line with their procedures and their policies. Then it will be a good idea. So among the listeners out there, if they have the partners, if they have the donors who are ready to work with me in my area, I welcome them. I can invite them to Uganda. I have the capacity through organ of government to invite them to come to Uganda for some period of time, say one month, two weeks, three weeks, and they go back to their country. Right. Like and it, it's, yes. it has been it has been a ride. I mean, the first two years, 2017 and 2018, you know, we were still getting to know each other and still getting to yes. know how yes. we can facilitate. But I think once we identified the mental health in Uganda yes. and, you know, I did the training with you and got certification, that's when we start realizing, you know, this is a great partnership. And, you know, 2017, yeah. when we became Nerdual Inc. Uganda, that was really big for us because the partnership with you um, yeah. not only developed um, Nerdual Inc. Uganda, but it also developed other um, international partnerships. And I, um, I just wanted to say thank you for that because you are showing me how how hard it is to yeah. develop in other countries. I mean, that was my first international partnership of, you know, getting a certificate saying that I could facilitate my programs and I'm a part of Uganda. But um, another question I had for you, what has been your biggest failure running your organization and how did you overcome that failure? Okay. You know, problems are unavoidable. Sometimes, as I say, how I manage is, I manage it through uh, linking people who have open-minded like you, and this is what has managed me move on. But sometimes I also break down. <laughs> sometimes I break down because of finances. Uh -huh. But I rely mostly on friends because I do not have serious donors. Getting a donor is also a challenge in my country. These donors these days, they have what they call line connections, that they have a middle person who links up with the local organizations. But sometimes it's not easy. These people who link also have their own interest. So it's quite a big problem. So, but what keeps me going is sometimes talking to friends who care like you. I can call you, I can send you an email. I have a challenge in this area, please can you help me? Without actually issues related to resources or money. So this is what keeps me going. But also there are important friends, particularly these government universities where we have mostly the academia. They normally like giving in their knowledge, their skills at really a friendly cost. Like sometimes when I have training in some of these universities, I identify some of those technical personnel. I move with them, then I can give them some small token of appreciation. I give them some accommodation and refreshment. 
And then also they help by giving me reading materials and they help me in presentation because I cannot manage these things alone, something like that. So that's what keeps me going. But I'm looking forward behind you there, those friends of ours who are listening to me, that yes. we need to link up together. Give them my email if you can. I can yes, give them. Yes, so that's um, what we're going to do. So everybody who's <laughs> listening right now, um, yeah. John, what are, do you have like Instagram or do you have Facebook or what do you have like social media? So everyone who's listening, they can go to your website. What is your website? What is your link? Uh, my, my, my website for the last two weeks I've been disabled because I cannot reach the host. The person who is hosting it is quite a distance from here and he has disabled me, but I used to have my website, uh, www. Let me start with the email first because that one is where they can reach me right now because I'm at home. There is global support Uganda at gmail.com. Let me go slow. Global is G L O B A L. Support is S U P O R T, single P, not double P. Global support, then Uganda is U G a n d a at gmail.com that is the email which i'm using global support uganda at gmail.com and let me spell it let me spell it again g uh -huh. for germany l for london o for obama b for british <laughs> a for america l for living s for support, U for Uganda, P for people, O for Obama maybe, R is for Robert, T is for taking. Uganda is U before United States, G for God, A America, N for Nairobi, D is for doing a is for america at gmail.com that's the email <laughs> yes so global support you got at gmail.com you get that one has everybody got that <laughs> i think the listeners gonna get that john do you have um instagram or facebook or uh... i was coming I, I, I was coming to the next one the skype uh-huh you have skype okay uh, I have Skype. The Skype is John Global Project. John is capital J. <laughs> oh, you're going to spell it out for our listeners. Okay, go ahead. Okay, John, the way you spell John, John, John. But the first one is capital, John, capital. Then the next one is Global. Global, also capital G, G L O B A L, Global. John Global. Then the third one is projects. There's a space there. John Global projects. So I can be reached on that Skype number. Mm -hmm. Then I have uh, WhatsApp. WhatsApp in Uganda is 256-774-457-250. That's a WhatsApp number. But uh, I also have a mobile number, mm -hmm. which is this very number, but I have also the second one, which is plus two five six 
the plus two five six is the code. Mm -hmm. You need to put on the code before you call. Like uh, I don't know the code of your country. Is it plus one? Yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. So you have to put on the code plus two five six. Then you say seven seven four four five seven two five zero. Then there is another one two five six seven zero one. That, that, that's another line. Oh, okay. Zero plus two five six seven zero one four five six. Sorry, zero seven zero one four five seven. Sorry, two five zero. Let me repeat it again. Plus two five six seven zero one four five seven two five zero. Then there is two five six plus two five six. You make sure you put a plus. If you mm -hmm. put a negative, you will not reach me. Okay. <laughs> I know the reason why they say plus. You must add that plus there. Right. Then there's seven, seven, eight, thirty, thirty, five, zero, and one. Mm -hmm. Now, see, everybody, I, you have all of his resources, all of his numbers to get connected hey. to um, this amazing organization. The organization is in. Uganda and um, Kapla, Uganda. Did I say it right? Is it Kapla or Kapla? We are living in a capital city of Uganda called Kampala. Kampala. <laughs> I, I don't know where they're about, about Kampala. <laughs> like Kampala is like Washington in the US. Uh huh. Yep. So I'm so that's excited. what I'm saying. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, so that's what so that's what I'm saying that if those people come to Uganda, I should be able to receive them from the airport mm -hmm. at Entebbe. So when they come to Entebbe, I pick them from there, I take them to where they're going to stay. Oh, okay, I see now. <laughs> Similarly to you, to you and Dr. Larita, when you're coming to Uganda, you will inform me that we shall be arriving. I will be able to monitor you on your flight. Right. That I will be we shall be reaching at the airport at around seven in the morning, so I will be able to pick you as you check out and I take you to a resident where you want to stay. <laughs> if you want to stay with us in the house, we have a house which is big, you can stay here. <laughs> yes, and well, we I, seen, I seen the house and all the pictures you have and it's very beautiful. <laughs> like we said, when we're there, I want pineapples. You know, yeah, I heard pineapples are amazing. Yeah, a lot of pineapples, yeah, a lot of mangoes, yeah, you can eat and go back when you have some weight. And that's why, by the way, you know why some of these countries, particularly, why we are not dying very fast because of the coronavirus? Mm -hmm. Simply because the nature of the food we eat makes right. us the hormones very strong compared to those in the U.S. Yes. Because you see the level of death in the U.S. is extremely too high and very threatening compared to Africa. Mm -hmm. So for us, what we eat here, we eat greens. <laughs> which makes our almost being resistant to some of this uh, COVID thing here. Yes. So when well, you I'm, come here, I'm certainly sure you'll eat popos, you'll eat all those kind of things before you go back <laughs> to US. <laughs> well, you guys are going to show me like the ropes of everything, what to eat. But John, it has been, like I said, you know, every time when we're on Skype or any, you guys are showing me all the amazing things that I do not Ups. <laughs> in America, but you, 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 you tell our friends behind there that let them invite me to America. I will bring them local food. <laughs> I will get authority to allow me bring some few kilos. Then okay. they can eat. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I'm excited. You know, 2017 seems like a long time ago, but I mean, being yes. your partner has been a blessing, John. You you are yeah. a blessing to Uganda. I mean, thank That's you so good. much for being my partner, being my friend, and also yeah. being a mentor. You mentor me on how to facilitate, be a better facilitator, not only, you know, yeah. being um, the founder of the my organization, but you're teaching me to yeah. stay humble. And it's not about me, it's about what yeah. I'm doing, what God has given me to do and you know these different organizations that we are partners with but like i said you were the first organization um that i became um nergel inc international but nergel inc uganda when i received that certificate with my name on it and it says i can participate and you know i can work in uganda i mean i cried like a baby and you were like what are you crying for <laughs> sure yeah i said john i can't I, you know this is something i've been dreaming about for years and true, you know true. that was a dream come true and yeah, sure. um thank you so much once again for just you know holding you it too. down in uganda and you know sure. all the partnerships you have is just amazing and you know you having the partnerships with all the universities and the schools um sure. i was reading you know your new project and things that you want to do but you have a platform yeah. of knowing over how many million of, of teens and young adults in your country so come again come again the number of you on your new project that i was seeing that you um presented to me it was saying that you have the communication and linked with over five million people in africa and you oh sure sure yeah these are these are basically actually beyond five million between five to ten million these are basically the youth in our institution of learning wow uh, those in their third years those in their third, fourth years, those in their second year, those are in their fifth years. And these are students from different fields. Those are from medicine, those are mm -hmm. some are from humanities, social sciences, others are from nurse, the nurses, the midwives, the clinical officers. As I said, we have about 49 universities in the country, 110 nursing schools in the country training nurses and midwives. We also have about 25 institutions training the clinical officers mm -hmm. who go to community on issues of health, but particularly area of medicine. Then we have those ones in commercial institutions which train in areas of skilling, areas of accounting, areas mm -hmm. of skill management. And this is particularly, I think, the area which Madam Dr. Tristika is coming for. And I was telling that when we have this kind of program in place, we could always have partners like you, like Dr. Larita, and those partners behind there, those friends of ours behind there who are listening, mm -hmm. that they could sometimes come and meet some of these students and educate them. Because me, I'm able to reach all these universities and we're able to gather them through the student leaders in the institutions and the authorities of the university normally allow, so long as there's a letter from the ministry rather a letter from the line ministry, Ministry of Education and Sport, mm -hmm. letter from the Ministry of Health, and then the letter from organ of government. So then normally these universities are allowed. Mm -hmm. And normally this happens on Saturdays. You normally have it once in a week. Mm -hmm. 
But this university has scattered all over the country. So what I usually do is that I write to the authorities of the university to allow the program take off. So the university therefore mobilizes the students through the student leaders for mm -hmm. me. Wow. Then we can have a presentation for one day from eight in the morning up to mm -hmm. around four. It was about eight hours presentation. Wow. So when we are presenting, we present in different areas. We can be three or four facilitators. And then we facilitate different areas. We look at HIV among the adolescents. Mm -hmm. We look at issues to do with the, what they call risk behaviors among the students. Mm -hmm. We look at issues to do with early pregnancies among the students. We look at areas of empowering and skilling students who are about to finish. Mm -hmm. So that when they finish, they're able to go to the market and compete in the job market in terms of demand. Oh, that's because good. we are living in a country where the level of employment is very difficult. Mm -hmm. And the, the country which has about 60% of the total population of 40 million, that means the youth are the youngest population in this country. The majority are the youth, and therefore the employment is a problem. So those are the key areas we normally handle from university to universities. That and that's so why I'm saying that if we could have partners like you, partners like those friends behind there in the U.S., mm -hmm. we could be able to integrate them in this program. Me, I have the mandate to write official letters of invitation mm -hmm. to the Ministry of Immigration so that they can be able to present these letters to Ugandan embassy in their country to give them, to grant them visas to come to the country. Yeah. So that they can come here for, say, three months, three weeks, or even three, even five months, then they go back to their country. So that they're able to get their skills here, mm -hmm. integrated what they're learning in their universities. So that at some point when they finish, if they're students, for instance, yes. they're able to come back and work in developing countries, and they're able to get jobs with international organizations, mm -hmm. like in the UN agencies, who mm -hmm. operate in African countries where there are a lot of problems. Yes. So they'll be able to get that skill and they'll be able to, you know, lobby and come here using those skills. Because at the end of the day, we we'll also give them certificate of participation. Mm -hmm. So that whenever they go together with their degrees from the university, they're able to attach this certificate to them. Yes. So they'll be able to manage in the market. <laughs> yes. And those certificates are amazing. You know, my last yeah. question for you know, this has been a great interview with you, John, and, yes. you know, just giving, you know, our listeners more information about our partnership, what we have enjoyed about working with each other. Um, the one thing I would like to say about our partnership is that we have never had conflict. Um, <laughs> never. <laughs> we have never had conflict. But when I was doing my university degree in peace and conflict, they told me that a house without conflict is, a, is an abnormal house. <laughs> but I mean... of course, uh, uh, because uh, even if you marry your husband or your wife, you, you can't avoid conflict. It has been there for the rest of your times when you're living on the scotch of the right. sun. But as I say that... A house without conflict is an abnormal house. You don't tell me that you don't have conflict in the house. No, 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 no. <laughs> but when you have, you can be able to settle it. Unfortunately, or fortunately, we have never right. had conflict. I really never. appreciate that. <laughs> never, never had conflict. It's always, it, it has been a joy being your partner and just, you know, learning more about each other and laughing. I think we do more laughing than working, no? <laughs> 
But I think we are driving. We are driving our dreams. I think we are yes. driving dreams. Yes, we're doing our <laughs> dreams. We're living our dreams, and we're assisting each other to, you know, be successful. And my last question for you before we end this wonderful podcast of just learning more about our partnership, if you can turn back the hands of time, what would you tell your 18-year-old self? Come again, come again. Okay. So yes. if you can turn if you can turn the clock back basically to when you were 18, what would be your mm. advice to your 18-year-old self? Uh, I think the most important thing is that uh, you need to listen to your to your mentors mm. because if you don't then you can end up being a street kid. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, sometimes those are very disturbing age. It's not an easy age. Right. In terms of your life. That is normally an age where you can have problems in terms of the social life. Mm -hmm. That's the time when you can have deviations. That's the time when you can have people getting pregnant very easily because of the earthly desires. Mm. Like now this COVID. In my country, the level of pregnancies among the young girls is extremely too high. Guys are getting pregnant as, as, as the age of seven years. People are getting pregnant here. So you wonder where these pregnancies are going. <laughs> but mm. all this is a problem of COVID. Yeah. At the age of 10, 18 is worse in most parts of the country. Maybe I would have to share with you this challenge. Yes. I don't know how is it in the US. Maybe you people are behaving like saints. But this <laughs> COVID has come with problems. <laughs> wow. It has come with the problems in the country yeah. and the young adolescents are really, really in a problem. They have children which they have not planned for. Mm -hmm. So if God gave me an opportunity to go back to my level of 18 years, like those behind if they're 18 years plus, the most important thing is that they need to listen and have two ears open when normally the mentors or the parents are talking to them that mm -hmm. your life is in your hands. And any single problem can cause you the entire life and then mm. you'll be a problem. So the most important thing is that one, they need to listen to their mentor, they need to listen to their parents so that they were able to realize their future. But also more important, they need to look at education as one of a tool which mm -hmm. can make you propel and realize your dreams in any part of the world. Mm -hmm. That they can decide to leave US and come and stay in Uganda. <laughs> with the skills they have acquired. <laughs> right. But if you are a street, if you're a street kid, I don't know, do you have streets in your place? Yes, we call them hoods. Well, some of them we call them a hood or we call them streets. Yeah, we do. Yeah. So most importantly, it's not, they, should, they need to go back, go to school and learn and to, to live a life which is worth it, like their parents, perhaps if some of them have the rich parents behind there. Mm -hmm. But also there's, discriminate when you come to us the, the, the other people look at you like an animal <laughs> right. uh, discrimination yes that he, as, as somebody who is living you don't need to discriminate regardless of age regardless of disability mm -hmm. regardless of color regardless of church or the race that yeah. if i'm a black person i should be able to live in america like any other person, but not discriminating because of my color being a black person. Mm -hmm. yeah. Very facts, John. Very facts. Well, the, you guys, the this color was... of the body, huh? 
you guys, this has been a wonderful. Unless if you have black blood. <laughs> black blood. Be quiet, John. <laughs> you guys, this has been a wonderful podcast with John. You see how yeah. we interrupting yes. each other. But this is yeah. um, Nerdville Inc. Uh, Fix yes. Your Crown podcast. Um, I'm yes. going to cut off the recording, but me and John are going to still talk. But you guys, thank you yeah. so much for tuning in today. This is Just Being Tristica. Well, thank you, too. Tristica, thank you, too. Of Fix Your Crown Podcast.